Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I'm your host, Guru Nishan. I was born and raised in 3HO, and the people of our community matter to me. So I started this podcast with several intentions in mind, um, and I read them at the beginning of every episode. Number one, to break the veil of silence that is long permeated and continues to strangle the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community in the name of neutrality. Number two, to validate and help clarify the complex feelings of those who joined this lifestyle, were born and raised into it, and or who have practiced or taught Kundalini Yoga. Number three, to encourage active listening to uncomfortable conversations from our community as a revolutionary act of self and collective healing. Number four, to let survivors know that we see them, we believe them, we love them, and we will fight for their truth to be addressed. Number five, to let teachers who are denying gaslighting or spiritually bypassing know that what they are doing is willfully ignorant and re-traumatizing victims. Number six, to illuminate the inherent racism, homophobia, cultural misappropriation, and exploitation that perpetuates the teachings, 3HO lifestyle, and overall community ethos. Number seven, to stop the perpetuation of gaslighting and victim shaming by naming it for what it is. Number eight, to dismantle internalized shame, guilt, toxic positivity, and lightwashing mentality. Number nine, to honor all of the parts of ourselves that have been forgotten or silenced. Number 10, to honor every body that has come through our community, both named and unnamed. Number 11, to encourage people to do their own research, process their own emotions, get somatic therapy and other therapy and support as needed, draw your own conclusions and be critical thinkers rather than just blindly follow anyone. Please remember that your story matters. Please share it when you're ready. We're here to listen, and support you. I want to welcome today's guest. Her name is Michelle Molito, also known as Sarah Jeetkar, as a second generation of 3HO. She was born in Colorado in 1982 to Darshan Singh and Carr. She has two older second generation siblings who were Saraswati Kamal and Guru Mantra. At the age of two, her family moved to the Espanola ashram. At age five, her family left 3HO and her parents divorced. She grew up in the Albuquerque, in Albuquerque, where she suffered parental neglect and other heavily traumatic experiences. At age 15, she turned back to the only good thing she thought she knew, 3HO and Yogi Bhajan. In 1999, 2000, she attended Midi Academy in India and also lived with Yogi Bhajan on the ranch for about one month before moving to the Phoenix Ashram for several years, working for the head of the ashram. She has many, many layers to her story, and she's here to share it with us today. Sarabjeet has always been artistic and is currently enrolled in cosmetology school. So I want to welcome you today. Please don't forget to unmute yourself 
Hi. Hi. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Um, tell me why you feel it's important to share your story. Um, well, these podcasts have been very helpful for me and um, hearing how other people process it. And I want to um, share it with other people uh, to help them as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's important. So. I want to thank you for reaching out to me and um, saying how much the podcast and listening to them has, has supported you in your process and, and also has given you courage to, to speak out and share your experience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'm very grateful to them. Um, you know, I love Mitty Pitty's podcast. I love Dudham's podcast. I love Little Dude's podcast. You know, they were, they were very touching. So um, I'm here, hopefully... If I could help one person, that that's worth it. You know, if it if it touches one person, then I'm happy with that. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for your courage to share. Um, so your story's quite unique in that you're you were quite young when you were in the Dharma, and then several years not in your childhood. So do you want to? You had mentioned that you remember a lot from when you were young. So do you want to mm -hmm. share your early years because you your parents left when you were five, which is quite young, but what do you remember from your early days? So I remember going to preschool um, in Española and we had a Gudwara next to it that was like in a trailer. And then the Gudwara now was up the hill a little ways. That was the children's Gudwara. And I remember giving out Prashad when I was like, five and I stopped and I started eating it because <laughs> it's so good. Um, I remember a lot. Like I remember Huddy Dedham being pregnant with Avtar and filling her baby, filling her belly and um, fighting with Saraswati and um, playing with Gurdedham Hariarchi's brother on the tire swing. <laughs> and we actually taught each other how to read. Um, he his brother had taught him bad words like boob and penis and we had we had block we had uh blocks with consonants and blocks with vowels in these two separate things and so me and gerdedum stayed in on recess to put to spell boobs and penises <laughs> and so we learned how to read we taught ourselves how to read in preschool and so i was reading at a third grade level by the time that i was in kindergarten um, yeah, and I remember rollerblading in, uh, uh, Ram Das Puri, um, is that what it's called? Wait, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Where we do tantric? I mean, yeah, where we do solstice. solstice. Yeah, we're yeah. solstice. Yeah, um, and then when my parents were divorcing, we were hiding from my dad one time, and we were staying up there, and, um, there were a lot of dandelions back then. My mom was really sad, so I picked her a dandelion and she was like, smiled about it. And then she was like crying again. So then I went and picked her more, but I couldn't keep her happy. So I filled up a giant bag of dandelions that I couldn't even lift. I was to bring it to her because I wanted to keep her happy. Mm, this is your little five-year-old self wanting to soothe your mom during mm -hmm. her parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, I remember we were, when we had, uh, Gudwara in that trailer, um, there was a bathroom right next to it. And I remember 
we were playing there during Gudwara and Yogi Bhajan yelled at us and he was yelling at us. So we, I was always really afraid of him because of how much he would yell. And I remember one time he was like riding his bicycle around the, the ashram and he, um, and my dad says, says, go thank him for everything. And I wanted to thank him for everything, but I was so scared. He goes, he goes thank him for everything. Um, and then I remember um, my dad used to go to Sadhana a lot, like he never missed. And he always took me with him um, because when I was born, uh, Yogi Bhajan said I was a great warrior. Okay. And so he gave me the name Sarabji. And my dad thought that was super significant because he didn't say anything about my sisters or anyone else in our family. So my dad thought I was special because of that. And so he took me to Sadhana with him every morning. I was his, like the one he took. Oh wow. Um, so I remember waking up and one time everyone was dancing in a yoga set and I started dancing and everyone was laughing at me. Um, I remember Yogi Bhajan leading Sadhana once in a while. And, but I might be wrong on some of my, on that um, because people did look alike, like it could have been Hermander Jones dad and I wouldn't I don't know if I would have known that you know sure. um but yeah um I remember so we lived where um um we lived in the little house we were very poor we lived in uh a tiny little house right across the street from that I don't know how it was uh uh Siri Vades is that his name the recorder uh, I think so, but I, I'm not okay. so sure. Well, it was where his store was, the guy that used to record everything. And Oftar's uh, father. Oftar's father, yeah. So that building was where we lived. And I remember there being ladies camp right across the street and my sister, Saraswati, coming over and saying how Yogi Bhajan was yelling at the women and they were all crying, taking off their makeup. He was yelling at them for wearing makeup and they were all crying. Um, yeah, I remember a lot. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and I cherished it because when my family did leave, I thought that was like, like they were wrong for leaving something so sacred and beautiful. And I, because I got neglected after that, I thought that it was really special. You know, I thought 3HO was I wanted to go to India, you know, I was begging my parents to go when I was five. My sister went when she was nine for one year and I drank the cool, like I was the one, like when before we you, all- Before you go on actually, but, um, you're talking about the time, like you're, you're young, you're under five, cause you were born into the Dharma until five is when your parents left. Mm -hmm. and your older sister had gone to India. At what age were you when she went to India and what sister went? She went when she was nine. Okay. And just for a year, you said? Guru Mantra. Guru Mantra. Yeah, she went for one year. And so she went when she was nine and she's five years older than me. So I was like four. And Saraswati didn't go? No. Okay. So then when you're, um, and then who were your parents in terms of like, what did they do around the, the Rayanch or like around Yola? Oh. Like give so us so they were from the denver ashram originally and um my mom hated it because um 
harassing and hard car bird would make them like clean houses and so they would they they clean houses all day long they would drive them around from house to house and then at the end of the week they wouldn't barely have enough money to buy toothpaste and stuff and they were living in a nice house far away so my mom was didn't like it uh my dad really liked harassing but my dad was able to do more things for him so he kind of got privileged got a privileged status with him because my dad could fix tvs and do a lot of technology stuff um, and wh whoever you mentioned hari harising uh, hari the they were the head of the ashram there got it so the head of what color what what city in colorado denver in denver okay so the, he, they were the heads of denver your parents for lack of a better word, we're like the peasants, right? The worker, mm -hmm. the worker yeah. bees of the community. Mm -hmm. Cause we're seeing that formula in many communities, which is why I'm pointing mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. um, and so your dad, but your dad had a bit of a better relationship because he could do favors that then got him favors from the people yeah. that were a bit more important and ran things. Yes, only in Colorado for him. So when yeah. it moved, when we moved to Espanola, but that was the initial tension happening between your mom and dad, obviously. That's in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Your mom, so your mom's not liking it. So then why did they move to, to New Mexico? Why did they take you all? Um, so my mom, I mean, I don't know that I know the you know, exact yeah. story. And you that's know. okay. If you don't know I've the context. Asked, I, yeah. I mean, my dad cheated on my mom a lot, too. So they were always like, and my mom would stay with him. And so they were, they I was told once that they moved around because they were running into people that my dad slept with too much. So I, I want to just flag that and thank you for sharing or disclosing that because I also have had that experience in my personal story. And that is also what we're seeing, at least what I'm noticing in a lot of the formula or that's happened to a lot of people in different ashrams and different contexts. So thank you for giving us that context. So then you're in New Mexico, again, you're little, and your dad is and mom are doing what in the community in Española? My dad fixed everybody's TVs. He, and my mom was the principal of the preschool that I went to. <laughs> so she was, she was running the preschool at that time. Okay. Obviously, you said not making money, quite poor still. Yeah, very, very poor. Very okay. poor. Yeah. And... Did you get any understanding? I mean, obviously you're five, but did your parents tell you anything about why they were leaving at the time? So I remember it. Um, oh, okay. I was playing in the front yard with, I don't know who, maybe a girl named Huddy Kid and she was my best friend. Um, and all of a sudden my dad came home with a shaved head and a shaved beard. And you know, when you're a little kid, like my grandpa had a shaved beard and it hurt to kiss me. So I was like, it was, it was shocking. And I was scared. I didn't want him to kiss me and hurt my face, you know? And, um, he told my mom it was a cult and my mom was sick of it. So she was ready to leave. And so, um, sick of the way, you know, we're treated like not making any money. Oh, she was upset. She could never fit into any of the cliques. You know, she was always an outsider, always, basically like untouchables. I mean, that's how we, our family was treated. And so she didn't ask him why. I think she was trying to save her marriage too. 
So when he cut his hair and shaved, shaved his beard, um, he said, we have to leave. We got kicked out. And so she took us to cut our hair and change our names. And we lived, we tried, she tried to stay with him. And then he left her, he threw her out. He threw us out of the house. So like maybe a month, I don't know how long. Um, I mean, my mom with three kids and no education and no job. Um, yeah. You know that her time there, like in general, she was getting tired of being treated poorly. Like, and mm -hmm. in, like this was like a common thing in, in your household that was discussed or, or spoken about like enough for you to feel it in the community at that time? I didn't know that. No, I, I, I mean, I was five, so I didn't, I didn't know that she was feeling that way. No, but I always, as an adult, I thought my dad was so much more spiritual than my mom because mm -hmm. my mom didn't feel any, like my mom didn't see it, you know? So I thought I, I put my dad on a pedestal for, you know, taking me to sadhana and meditating as much as he did. But then when he cut his hair and came home, that, that was, must've just been a crazy shock. And then mm -hmm. you're told to immediately cut your hair. I mean, what's happening now for you? Well, they told us to act. So then I get neglected. Right. Um, I mean, when I listen to all these other podcasts and I hear about the neglect that I realized that it wasn't just me that got neglected, like they were brainwashed to neglect us. And so um, they, my mom and my mom was kind of, you know, she's a very sweet woman, um, very kind woman, but she just checked out mentally. And she was like, she told us to act American. And I'm like, I'm five. I'm like, I don't know what that is. So she, they let us pick our names. And my sister Lisa picked her name from Weird Science, our Gramantra did. And then Sarah Swati picked Sarah. And I was gonna pick Cindy because I was reading and then and we, there was a book in the preschool about Cindy the bear. And my dad goes, no, 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 you should pick the name Michelle. And then he would sing the song from the Beatles to me. Um, so that became my name. And then when he said to act, when they said to act American, you know, and my mom was ashamed of it. Um, and my sisters would just act like whatever they saw on MTV. And I'm like little watching this and I'm watching them create a whole new identity overnight of what they wanted to be. But I'm like, I didn't know, like to me, I was Sarajit still, you know, like I didn't have that same uh, desire to be like people in MT, like I wasn't watching it like they were, I was too little. <laughs> mm -hmm. Must've just been so shocking. Mm-hmm, yeah. Is there, I know you have a, a lot to share when, when we move into what happened next. Is there more you want to share from the early years and memories from when you were under five and when your parents were in 3HO at that time? Hmm. I mean, it's hmm. okay. We can always circle back around. No, that's, that's <laughs> good. I mean, I was mischievous. Um, I just remember when the preschool teacher, I forget her name. This is, uh, this is a culture mom, school? So this, yeah. is a, this is a little yeah. local Dharmic culture school, right? Yeah, I can't remember her name, but um, we were doing uh, collages 
and and I understood what the concept was. And I remember looking around going, oh, none of the kids get the concept of this collage. And we weren't allowed to cut the National Geographics, but I knew where the African boobs were. <laughs> so I went into the bathroom and I made a collage with African boobs and I glued it onto the wall. So that was like, I was very mischievous as a child. Well, I'm curious because you've shared two early childhood stories of writing like boobs and then cutting out boobs. And so as a child, do you remember this being like a big deal and like getting reactions or like, like, what did that, like, where did that come from? Or what do you remember about that? Um, getting reactions? No, I just, I just liked it. I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I can't, I don't know, yeah. I actually think it's quite natural for kids to explore this way. I'm just curious if like you had memories of- uh, I don't remember the that reactions. Was yeah. uh, you know, it wasn't for attention. I was too little like to, no, I was ashamed of it. Cause, cause I remember later um, I went, I got in trouble for gluing it on the wall. And then later on I saw it next to the toilet at home and I went, oh no, my parents know I made it, you know, cause it was at home and I, and I was so embarrassed, but I never, they never talked to me about it. And then later on, I realized like my dad kept his Playboys by the toilet. So he was probably like <laughs> jacking off to it. <laughs> he didn't hide them. They were just right there for you all to see. The Playboys. Yeah. They were always like next to the toilet. And this is when, when they had already left, or this is during this uh, is before. Yeah, this is all during while going to Sada, just Playboys are right over there. Oh no, no, no. Uh, that was late. That was later. I saw Playboys. I probably not. My mom probably wouldn't have let him. I was yeah. like, that would be a hard I don't think so. Thing. Yeah. My dad's yeah. Playboys were at least hidden, you know, under the car mat or under the bed, you know. No, but he always <laughs> kept them as an adult or as I got older or when he left my mom. I don't know. He always had Playboys by the toilet. So to me, he was he was enjoying my collage. <laughs> got it. Okay. So, yeah, that's a little later. So, so that's, that's just. So your parents leave. This is obviously like shocking, confusing. Your 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 older sisters are kind of you know, more able to get into that, I suppose. But tell us then what happens. He leaves your mom. Oh, you're muted now. Um, so my dad threw my mom out and she didn't wanna go home to Colorado to be with her parents because they were upset about her marrying my dad and joining a cult. And so she decided to take us to Albuquerque and start over with no one, no support. Um, she became a waitress and my dad didn't pay very much child support. So um, we struggled and I got neglected. And so I didn't know how to, I mean, she got me to school in kindergarten every day but then after that I was getting myself to school every day and um, I was wearing the same clothes every day and not brushing my teeth until like teachers like treated me bad or like they would say like they would I got treated bad by adults like judging me when I was innocent a lot you know 
Um, and then when I was 12 or 11, a friend, I, I made friends with a girl down the street who taught me how to shower and wash myself. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my sister was a huge bully and I didn't realize how much that was a big part of 3HO too. <laughs> So I didn't just get neglected. I got bullied horribly by my sister, Saraswati. Hmm. And we still are not friends to this day. Wow. These memories um, in the ashram of my sister, Saraswati, were, uh, she made me eat her boogers so I could hang out with her and some other girls and then she she just put me down constantly and beat me up a lot I mean I was pigeon-toed so you know in school when we'd be walking to school she'd be walking behind me with other kids making they would all be making fun of me for the way I walked um, I mean it was just so extremely cruel like I try to tell people about like the sibling abuse in my family and I'm like, no, it was unusually cruel. Like, yeah, I, I know other families fight, but ours was like, like, it was more extreme, it seemed, because um, it was like she really did hate me, you know? Mm. Um, but she probably would have been great in India. She would have done really well. <laughs> mm. You're cutting out again. so yeah so your mom single mom she's raising you obviously a lot of neglect you're learning to shower at 11 then what did your mom get remarried yet my mom got remarried when i was 14 yeah 14 and so um she marries someone successful a successful lawyer and um I think my life is all of a sudden going to get better. You know, he was like, he was giving me attention, you know, as like the parental, I craved it. I craved attention from adults. And so he was like, I was in art. So he was getting me art supplies and taking me to art museums. He took me to the Guggenheim, you know, um, I was, you know, I thought my life was about to get better. But then um, like my bedroom was in the basement and then every week, about once a week, I would wake up with someone in the room or in my bed and I couldn't move my body. I was so scared and I thought it was a ghost because I would try to move I would, and I couldn't. And so I thought it was in my body possessing me and then I thought, I, I, there were times when I was like, it, it was too real to be just a ghost, you know? Um, I never confronted anyone until about it that I, now I think it was my stepdad. I never confronted anyone until about two years ago that I came to the realization that it wasn't just a ghost and it wasn't normal. Yeah. Um, he, my bed would be kicked. I would hear things being walked across the room. I woke up one time and there was like a red light in the room and I heard someone like pissing behind my bed. 
Um, I woke up one time, there was a sexual dream one time that I really, I can't remember it. And so when I hear other people talk about sex abuse when they can't remember it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I don't know what happened that time. I really don't. Yeah. Um, and, and that it's important that we- But I felt someone's arm come off of me and kiss me on the cheek. I mean, it was creepy and it was so scary. And that was why I was like desperate to leave the house because I didn't sleep. I would lay there awake trying to stay still so that the ghost didn't know that I was awake, that it woke me up. I would try to, so I was sleep deprived a lot and um, I, begged my dad, uh, I begged my mom to like, let me go live with a relative and she wouldn't let me. And then went, and then that summer, my dad took me to solstice because he still like hung out there or he still talked to a lot of people from 3HO and he took me to solstice. And then I saw uh, the Mitty Pity, you know, demo and I was crying and my dad was like, I'll send you. Okay. I'll send you. So, um, he sent me to India my first year. So hold on. So when your mom started to, when your mom got remarried and your stepdad started to aggress on you, even as in the memory as a, a ghost, it's very quite common that, that we, that sexual trauma survivors in this capacity that we might not remember cognitively, but that our body remembers. And so mm-hmm. you started remembering, but in the context of it, you didn't necessarily know it was him that came much later. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And also I was, I mean, I was groomed and raped by my brother, my half brother, which was his that. son. No, my dad's son from his first marriage. Your so dad? I have a, okay. Yeah. I, I have a half brother and he was 22, he was 24 and I was 12 and he, I didn't know him very well. And, um, he was, he was visiting us in Albuquerque. And I asked him for a ride to Española so I could go see my dad. And during that time, he convinced me that he was the only one that loved me. And that, you know, I was so neglected that I'm like, oh my God, finally someone loves me. And he was like, come hang out with me in Colorado for a week and I'll drive you back. So he took me to Colorado, showed me, uh, you know, porno mags or whatever. yeah, porno mags. And then we were drinking one night or he gave me alcohol and I saw a condom sitting in the kitchen. And then when I was down in the bedroom, I saw it move down by the bed. And then I'm laying there in the bed, like trying to sleep. And he comes in there and he keeps trying to wake me up. And I'm like, I knew what it was for. And so I went along with it because I didn't want to um, fight it. I didn't have a cell phone. I was in Colorado and I didn't have a lot of confidence, you know, or like the self-esteem to fight anyone. So I was just, I went along with it. And so I later got blamed for it. And my dad blamed me for it um, all the way up until two weeks before he died. He said, I fucked my brother. Wow. That, that it was of your volition or your concern. Yeah. Well, that's what my brother said. Even though because, you're 14. Because I was 12. And he yeah, was I'm 24. sorry. I'm sorry. You were yeah. 12 and he was 22. Yeah. 24. Yeah. Oh, oh. no, it's obviously rape, right? Oh. Just the age difference. Oh. But, oh. you know, but I believe because um, later on, I got told, you know, that I wasn't raped because he's Yogi. Wait, 
So when you wait, wait for that, because we want to get the context of the oh, time, okay. time of the story. So at this time of, at this time though, you don't have much of a relationship with your mom. You don't have much relationship with your dad, but you're trying. So you're leaving from your mom. Your mom hasn't remarried at this point when this happens with your step, with your half brother, right? Your mom, mm -hmm. your mom got remarried at 14. That's where that came from. He knew about it. My stepdad saw it happen. About, I mean, he, about what happened with your brother and you. And then your stepdad kind of moved yeah. right into taking that aggressor role with you yeah. and having a history of abandonment and neglect, uh, you know, that this makes a lot of sense. Oh, also, I think, I think, um, I was smoking weed in the basement and, you know, he hated it. So I think your stepdad, you mean? My stepdad hated it. So I think he was like pranking me, scaring me on, he was scaring me on purpose, you know, because he was annoyed too, that I was smoking weed in the house. So. And yeah. all sorts of other things that aren't of well mental capacity, I'm sure. Yeah. And what's crazy is he's a lot of like, there's, there's a lot of the people in 3HO that know him because he taught them law he taught them legal writing <laughs> so, so hold on. people yeah. that you're, you're saying your stepdad who married your mom who's an attorney interact with a lot of people in 3ho because they used him for attorney services no, he taught at unm he taught at unm i see i yeah. see oh the complexity of of um incest is just Wow. So the context I want to get here is that you're going from your mom's house, which isn't very supportive to you visit your dad's and your dad was somewhere else. And your dad, even though he had left 3HO and kind of called it a cult, he obviously maintained relationships. Can you give us some understanding about that nature of that? Um, yeah, I think he always, he just told me he didn't like Yogi Budget. And, um, but he did have spiritual experiences with, um, with his meditating practice, with his meditation and with Hari Singh and, um, but he just, he wanted me to like embrace it, but he always tried to steer me away from Yogi Bhajan and just do the meditating and get into the Sikh, not the 3HO side mm -hmm. of it. This is he what he would actually say to you. Yeah, I just thought he was jealous of Yogi Bhajan, you know? Huh. I didn't think that, um, you know, he would say, yeah, he's having sex with his secretaries. And I thought, gosh, my dad's such a hypocrite. Like, why is everyone so puritanical? And I, and I thought, you know, you can have a relationship with God as a lover, as a friend, as um, a parent. Like, there's many ways you can have a relationship with God. It doesn't have to be just as a father. So I was okay with Yogi Bhajan sleeping with them. I didn't know why everyone was upset about it and why it was such a secret, you know? Mm, mm. It's so interesting you say that because I remember as a child assuming that everybody knew that he slept with his secretaries. Like I just kind mm -hmm. of thought, and I can't say I ever thought it was abusive or sadistic like we found out, but I definitely, you know, my dad slept around. I felt like there was a culture of the men sleeping around. And I mm -hmm. felt like that was just a bit normal and was a part of the hypocrisy. I know I resisted around 15-ish, but I kind of, it's like a, 
a thing like where the kids see it and everybody else isn't noticing or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, how interesting, how interesting. Okay, so you gave us that context. Now is this one time you're with your dad, he takes you to solstice. How was that for you? You had obviously had not been around the Dharma for a long time, but here you get to reconnect to old friends, be in the atmosphere that obviously a part of you really revered because it was probably like a semblance of your own in your mind thinking it was the only good thing in your life after all this abuse that took mm -hmm. place after you guys left. Yeah, I was just really touched by it. And I was crying when I saw the little kids, you know, cause I was, I used to be one of them and I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted, it, I felt like it was so sacred and special. And I just, I wanted to go back. And so, um, I begged my dad to send me to India and he was, he, he agreed, you know? And so then he, he sent me. What year are you, what, how old are you at this point? 15. So you go to soul, summer solstice, you get connected to everybody and, and see the midi pity presentation and just mm -hmm. kind of get inspired to be like, I really want to go to school in India. Maybe this is, this is the place for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, so so I go to school in India and um, and I was just really excited to see Yogi Bhajan again. I knew he was my spiritual teacher. I believed it, you know, I had read like, be here now and um, was like trying to find my, like I always thought, you know, my guru, I know who my guru is. <laughs> I know who that is. It's Yogi Bhajan, you know, that's home to me. And so I, I just was really obsessed with him and um, not having any other like parent or person, I focused all my attention on him, I guess. So my like, I was into him, you know? And so when we have, we had, uh, when he came to visit the school, the first time we're all standing in formation and I'm in gold squad, Hari Amrit's my platoon commander and Yogi Bhajan's standing there um, or he's sitting in his chair in front of us and he looks at me and he says, hello, sad girl, what is it that you want to say? And I was, he gave me special attention and then I went to go see him personally and he said, if you give up being sad, I will make your future. And I remember like all his entourage, like, like I remember Sahaj, like everybody was like shocked and he shook my hand. And then um, I told him I didn't want to go home. Like another time he came to visit, I told him I didn't want to go home that summer. And he said um, he needed to get, I needed new parents. And I remember thinking, I don't want new parents. I just want to be close to you. And then he said, no, come live with me on the ranch. So I thought he read my mind. Well, he did kind of read my mind one time. Yeah, there was one time in, in, in India that I was eating cashews and raisins and my stomach was hurting. And I'm like, it, I was thinking everything I eat messes up my digestion. So I want to go ask him about it. And I go into the office and he looked at me and he looked at um, Kamenat and he tells Kamenat, everything she eats messes up her digestion. And then he gave me, he said, she needs to eat paranthas with like a handful of ajwan seeds and steamed vegetables 
that are sitting overnight and it did help. Um, and I still like to eat Ajwan Paranthas for my digestion. But you know, I was sick with dysentery. I mean, I had, I, I didn't have the gut bacteria, the, the same um, gut as like Simrit who had been there since she was five. She could drink water out of the sink. <laughs> I was on the toilet the whole time I was in India with water squirting out of my butt. <laughs> I was sick. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell, um, telling us. <laughs> yeah, and then I had- special. He tells you, come live with me at the ranch. Yeah, so I had dreams with him too. And then I found out that the dreams were real. These dreams are real and he can only come to you if he's really there. And so I had some pretty profound dreams with him. Um, the very first dream I had, um, he walked out of a room and I see him and he walked into another room. And it was, I thought like I woke up in the dream, you know? I was like, oh, I became lucid, I felt like. And then the next dream, I'm like, this is while I was in India my first year, right? Um, I was partying with some friends in Albuquerque in the dream and he appeared on his chair um, and he didn't have his entourage and I was worried there was nobody protecting him so I went over to him and I put my arm around him big dude right I put my arm around him and all of a sudden the world starts spinning really fast and all this time goes by and then we're looking into each other's faces and we're just laughing and I thought I traveled to like the Satyug for a second. Like he made time go by and showed me another time period, another Yug. Cause we were just laughing at each other, looking at each other. Mm -hmm. And so that was, um, that was the first big dream that I had with him. But now I, I don't really think that he really came to me. I just, I'm just very impressionable and sure. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't put him on that pedestal or give him, you know, he, he was trained as a, what is it? Customs inspector. You know, that's a very corrupt profession. I know about it. Cause I had a friend who was in it in Mexico. He was a customs inspector and he said that people come and they say palm or pollo, or I think that's what it is, lead or silver, you have to take their money or they'll kill you to let to not open their bags, you know, because they're selling drugs or whatever. You have to be corrupt basically to do that job. So he knows body language. He knows a lot of tricks to seem like he was reading your mind because we, we know that now because everything has come to light in our community. Yeah. Like what I hear you painting is uh, quite a story of the mysticism in you. Like here, you, your family was in 3HO early, left at five. I'm sure there was a story about them leaving. And mm -hmm. then you go through all these horrible experiences out of the Dharma only to kind of have a nostalgia to want to come back, which is a beautiful thing in some respects. And so you remember like going to Sadna with your dad, you remember kind of like the certain aspects. And so here you are at school and now you're getting personal attention from Yogi Bhajan directly, a mm -hmm. male figure. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is so a deal, yeah. no, yeah, I'm pointing it out because yeah. you're contexting it to also help us understand why it felt so special to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I lived on BBG's house 
and I had like the big bedroom and above the bed was a picture of Krishna with his gopis. And um, when he arrived, I was late because I kept retying my turban. I was really nervous and everyone was going to greet him. And I came late and he goes, why are you late? You should be the first person here. You own the ranch. <laughs> so he really did try to make me feel special. Interesting. But that was about it. Um, I didn't interact with him a whole lot on the ranch other than that. And how long were you there? About one month. And how old are you? Um, like 16. Yeah, 16. You had already been to Mitty Pity or this was mm -hmm. after? Okay, so this you went to Mitty Pity and then came to the ranch and then went back to Mitty Pity or no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went back to Mitty Pity. Okay, so you were just on the ranch for a little bit in the summer, went back to Mitty Pity for another year. Mm -hmm. And how was yeah. that for you? Um, it was all right. I mean, I got bullied a little bit. There was a term I had. Uh, so Gert Adam and should I say their names? Is that okay? Uh, there were two kids that saved rotten eggs that and they had maggots on it um and they smashed it on my head and bolted me in my room and so i didn't leave my room for a month um but other than that i was super into meditating i was i did a 40 days of 31 minutes of sadarshan chakra kriya and i was just so into sadhana and cleaning the golden temple. And um, I just loved it. So yeah. your daily practice, you were into yoga and meditation. That was a part of your curriculum. And then bullying was just stuff that happened and you had to deal with it. Was there any recourse? Or oh anything? yeah, no, they didn't do anything to the girl that did it. Yeah, there was no. Um, so it was girls who were bullying you, not, not guys, it was other girls. It, no, it was one girl and one guy that yeah. did it but it was mainly one girl like she was a bully to the girls but I know the girls didn't have it nearly as bad as the guys there was just there was some of it I mean girls weren't really that nice you know I made some friends but there were clay so you so you're getting really into practicing i mean sadarshan chakra kriya is not easy just like the, the longer mm -hmm. meditations and i've heard this from other you know later year midi pity students that the practice and meditation cleaning the golden temple these things became really your solace or your your focus or your area of attention mm -hmm. yeah um I mean, I mean it was beautiful like doing going to the golden temple at three o'clock in the morning and cleaning that <laughs> whoa the smells of the golden temple um just the feeling like the atmosphere the energy there's nothing like it and you can't describe it it was incredible and how about how was it for you that you hadn't been around all these years and now here you are back in the dharma after basically leaving at five years old like, how was that experience for you? Yeah, I was just eating it all up. I was trying to do everything, <laughs> you know, and I was desperate to hold on to it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose it again. So I, I, 
I went to school in India for two years and then my mom wouldn't send me and my dad wouldn't send me my senior year. So I finished school in Albuquerque and I would wear my turban every day and I was doing sadhana. I thought the sadhana was helping the ghosts not bother me in the basement. So I was, I trained, I'm, I now still have like insomnia because I would like train myself to like that sadhana routine is like you're training yourself to sleep deprive yourself. So even now I wake up wide awake <laughs> in at like three, four, you know, mm -hmm. and it takes a while to get back to sleep, but I need eight hours, <laughs> not three, like Yogi Budget made it seem like he did. You know, I used to think like, oh, well, if I was a yogi, if I was a real yogi, I would only need three hours of sleep. And then like the secretary on the ranch that was in charge of me, who I consider grooming me, <laughs> she told me that even when he was sleeping, he was reading books under the bed through osmosis. <laughs> so I always, I've always slept with books under my bed thinking one day I'm gonna master yoga and I'll be able to read through osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> when I clarify, do, do you look back now that everything has come to light and you and you know that that a, a particular secretary was grooming you at that time or at the time? Do you know what I mean? At the time, no, I never thought anything was wrong with it. I thought that everybody was crazy around Yogi Bhajan, but that he was a saint. And there was a teaching he said that like the better the teacher is, the crazier the students are. So I thought they were ex they were acting crazy because they were their karma was being accelerated. So it just looked it was just happen things were happening so fast for them to advance that they were just all nuts around him but i didn't feel good on the ranch and it was mainly because the the people made like around him but i still was like in love with him obsessed yeah. with him mesmerized by him mesmerized so, and yeah. the, the uh the comment of the secretary that was grooming you that's only in light of what we know now looking back yes yes okay uh -huh. Because you had made that comment, so I wanted to clarify that. Um, okay, so then what happened? So you come back, you end up not going to school. Isn't there, weren't you planning to go back to school in India? And then what happens? I was planning on going back and I was, um, but my parents couldn't send me, they couldn't afford it. And so at Solstice, um, I was talking to Guru Singh's daughter and she goes, oh, why don't you ask my dad? He'll get you a scholarship to go to school in India. And he always was would say, you know, he would raise money for those scholarships saying anybody that wants to go to school so that anyone who wants to go to school in, in India can go to school in India. And I wanted to go. And so I emailed him and he just emailed me a yoga set. And I said, I'm doing 31 minutes of Siddharshan Chakra Kriya. And he tells me, that's too hard for me. And I needed to do his sets. And I rem I was thinking, I have a relationship with Yogi Bhajan. I don't need a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. Like, so he just kept sending me yoga sets and never talking about the scholarship. And then I got into a fight with my dad and I emailed him since he was trying to be my teacher. I thought I could email him about our fight and he never responded. So I just wasn't 
confident. I thought something was wrong with me, you know, like, oh, of course I don't deserve this scholarship. And then that's why I didn't go back. Mm. And I had a grammar at Norway was waiting for me and she was really sad that I didn't come back. And I didn't even know how to explain it to her because I asked for the scholarship and all I was getting was yoga sets. You know, I didn't know how to like say, hey, like, what's going on? I was like, of course I don't deserve it. So she was upset that I didn't make it back. And we were supposed to be in a two person room together and she didn't have a, a roommate. And so it kind of, it hurt her. And I didn't even know how to explain it to her why I didn't go back. Sure. Or why I didn't tell her, you know, cause I was wait, I did I was, wasn't sure. And it was, it was sad for me to not go back. But it's not like you have direct access to Yogi Bhajan to say, can you pay me to go, like pay for me to go? Or did it just not work like that? Um, and you didn't, did you have a direct connection to Yogi Bhajan to try to get back? Like to ask to be able to send back or this was just your only avenue directly with asking for a scholarship you're saying or? i i i didn't ask yogi budget no i just didn't think i deserved it so um later i was i was writing yogi budget because he told me to write or they told me to write him and um i was depressed so Where he are told you me living right now in, in, your, in, in albuquerque with my mom and my stepdad so you're back with your mom and stepdad even, and I'm going you're wearing your turban and going to school with your turban. Yeah. And, and I what are your parents? What are they saying about that? They were okay with it. I mean, my mom was like, she never really processed or she never got deprogrammed. So she always kind of thought like it is a cult, but she didn't really know. She didn't know it was a cult. So she just let me do, let me do it. Okay. Um, because you know, the lifestyle teaches like, don't not drinking or doing drugs. And there's some healthy things that like, totally. you can, it's, it, it can, it can be better for people in some ways. I mean, it is better for people in those kinds of ways. And so she didn't mind it. And, um, yeah, so I was depressed and I was, I wrote Yogi Bhajan. And he told me to see Shanti Shanti, who is a psychologist. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. I okay. I'll hear you. Okay. And um, to talk to her. So I, I started seeing Shanti Shanti and my agreement with her was she could tell him everything, right? I tell her about my brother and she told me I wasn't raped what? and that all women asked, like, she said, I wasn't raped. No woman has ever raped, um, you know, I, that I asked for it. And that was when I believed it because I was groomed. And so I felt horrible about myself. And um, so Darshan lived in Arizona and she kept inviting me to come live with her. So I, as soon as I graduated high school um, and right after solstice, I packed my 87 Toyota Corolla and I had a thousand bucks. It's 2001 and I drove out here and then I lived with Sadarshan and her dad and um, Gersimran. 
for a little while and then I moved into the fourplex. This is in the Phoenix ashram. Yes. This is my home stop me girls. Yes. <laughs> I know the fourplex. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough. And I even know Tadarshan and her dad, interesting. Yeah. 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 Remember. Yeah. That. So my my neighbor was um what year was this, by the way? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. You graduated high school and you go there to try to plant somewhere so you're not living at your stepdad and your mom's place, which obviously I had to leave. Yeah. I mean, I had nowhere to go. abused there for a long time. So mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know that it was sexual abuse as much as he was scaring me. And there was just one time that it seemed that I that I think there was a sexual abuse, but it was it was fucking scary. No matter how many times it was, it sounds like it was is more body memory than actual cognitive memory. And mm -hmm. whatever it was, it sounds like it was horrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I couldn't wait to leave, right? And then I didn't feel right in Española. So Sadarshan was my best friend at the time. So I moved to Phoenix and- um... Hold on, you're-, you're... Okay. All the kids that went to school in Mitty Pity, they got jobs. You know, they were guaranteed a job. What do you so, mean they're guaranteed a job? So the school says they're guaranteed a job, what, in Dharmic businesses or what? Yeah, yeah, in the Dharmic so as, a, so as a part of going to school there, that's kind of like an incentive? Yeah, yeah. so Yogi Bhajan told Joda to hire me. And so um, I worked for Joda and I actually got a better salary than most people in 3HO. I was making 950 an hour. Um, and so I worked for him for three years and it was awful. It was awful. Can you hear me? Um, he acted like he could barely stand me. He didn't want to deal with me. Um, I was just something he had to, he had, he had to deal with. Uh, he, one time I was fighting with my dad over email and his main secretary was bothered by it. And so she told him to like do something about it. And his um, solution was just to tell me, you're basically an untouchable. Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. You're, that was his answer to it. You're an untouchable. Not, he didn't say I was an untouchable. He said, you are basically an untouchable. And um, yeah. And can I pause you there for a second? Because you referred to that earlier about your family being untouchables. Can you give our listeners an understanding of what untouchables means and just kind of like what this really contexts? It means that... Um, that, that we've reincarnated the least amount of times and we're learning the most basic lessons of life still, we're not advanced. And um, that like, we're like, I don't know, it just, I don't know how to like describe the low it. end of the totem pole, to, so to speak. The lowest, the okay, lowest of the low. They clean the dead bodies in India. Okay, but so that's the context then, right, Sarabjit? In India, in the caste system, the untouchables are the lowest of the low of all the, the castes. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. I, I didn't go to India, so I'm just clarifying. 
And yeah. a lot of our listeners might not even have any idea either. So in the cast system, the untouchables, you can Google that and learn all about the context of what that insult would mean, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, so keep going. So you're working there. Oh, it sounds like yeah. he was he was told to hire you. And, and anyway, just putting that context there, keep going. And you probably- well, there, there was one time when, when um, his family went to Mexico on vacation and they invited me, Gurdjieff invited me, and um, I was hanging out with Gurdjieff and Harai and another kid, Himmet, who went to school. And we had two ATVs um, and we were taking turns on it. And I flew off the ATV. We were in the sand dunes. I flew off the ATV and I landed on top of my head. Mm. And I had such a bad concussion. I thought I was in a video game for a long time. I was hallucinating really hard, but I didn't know what a concussion was. I was like 19, maybe. Sure. So I tell Joda what happened and he shrugged his shoulders. Mm. I told him like, I was thought I was, I hit my head really hard and I thought I was in a video game and he just went like that. I could have died. So meaning like no medical attention or like get, making sure you're yeah. going to the doctor. And, and I think that's quite familiar in our communities too, that things just kind of didn't get addressed. We've been hearing mm-hmm. that quite a bit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that back injury got worse and worse. And um, then I felt completely disconnected to the community and to the yoga, like the yoga wasn't working because I was in, I was starting to get in really bad pain. And then I quit Joda's and I tried to find a job, but I didn't really know how to dress appropriately. Like I was still neglected and still didn't know a lot of basic skills. And so I didn't want to move home and I loved dancing. So then I became a stripper. So while your time in Phoenix before you transitioned into be, uh, you know, changing career into being a stripper. Did you, were you still wearing your turban this whole time? Were you still? Oh, no, meditating? no. I mean, give us the context of like. No, I, <laughs> I, no, when I left, I still believed in it, but I was trying to become a stripper. So I was, you know trying to figure out how to shave right and stuff <laughs> okay so you had left but while in phoenix at first you're meditating you're doing sadhana you're doing all the things you're working at joda's uh and then or for for his company rather and then um and then as that turns worse then you decide to just kind of like get out of there and decide to go your own way like what was the was there like a transition out? Was there something, was it just the overall kind of unhappy? No, so, you didn't so there was a guy in the Phoenix ashram who was named. Um, I don't mean, I don't mean all the, before we go into Phoenix ashram, there's a lot of stuff having to do with uh, stuff there. But okay. I just mean like in terms of your personal experience, your transition from being a devoted, I'm, I'm meditating daily and I'm work, was that how you were when you were there or was that the transition, did that change? And it was like a slow transition out. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a slow transition out. Yeah. Yeah. So as it was just getting, as you were starting to feel like you were in this untouchable category and no support system, as much as they invited you to Mexico, you're not a part of their family. So you're obviously not feeling like you're a part of being taken care of as mm-hmm. a whole. Like you don't have that support system in your life. Yeah, I didn't have a support system. I mean, I think like 
Siri Vishnu one time tried to reach out to me and Soul Sing tried to reach out to me, but I didn't trust anyone, you know? So I was like, I'm on my own, you know? And then I figured out how to make money and- um, All right. So you decided to become a stripper, make some money. Yeah. But you're trying to figure out how to shave your legs to do that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, your privates are hard to shave if you don't know. You get razor burn, you know. I, my learning curve for dancing was a pretty big curve, you know. So you worked in Phoenix there for three years. Then you transitioned into dancing. And how long does this go on for? I danced until March. <laughs> okay, year. so that's why I'm bringing us full circle. So up until March, do you want to give us some context of your time in dancing? Because I found that fairly interesting. I got addicted to, well, first I got addicted to opiates because my back pain was bad. So I ate about a bottle of Vicodin a day. And then Jay Shamsky fixed my back. Um, so I... I ran out of opiates and I wasn't able to get any more. And then I went through my withdrawal. I didn't know I was addicted until I withdrew from it. And then I was able to get off of it after that because um, I couldn't get any and I didn't have back pain anymore. And then, um, and then I dated a guy that sold cocaine mm. and me and him would do, and then I got into Coke for five years. I was doing cocaine all day long and drinking about drinking a ton and then to go to bed i would drink like half a bottle of jaeger um it was excessive i was doing a lot of ecstasy i was i felt so guilty about dancing and, and leaving the dharma that i just was heavily into into drugs and drinking and um that lasted like five years and uh i i, I was pretty i I think I would have joined the 20, is it the 27 club, 28 I don't club? I know what that is. I, you oh. I don't know what that was. I meant to ask you when I read that in your bio. It's, it's, it's the age that like Janis Joplin died and all sorts of celebrities because of drug overdoses. Oh. So I was heavily into it. I couldn't stop. And then I had two DUIs and um, I got caught with a Percocet. And so um, oh. I had to, I had, I, I opted, I took the option to do, um, to do drug testing for a year to get the Percocet removed from my record. And that's when I got sober and I started doing an hour of Puritan Korea a day to get sober. So that was when I re-embraced the yoga and the meditating mm -hmm. and I would, I would use it and it, it balanced me out. So, um, I, I felt like I got my cognitive faculties back. Yeah. And I was like, you couldn't tell that I went through the experience I did. Like it, it helped me to heal. Um, but then I still struggled with other drugs after that, maybe dr mainly drinking and um, yeah, but self-medicating. Now I know like why I was self-medicating. I didn't realize, I mean, my, uh, what is it? My childhood um, adverse, what are those aces? Yeah, the childhood, adverse childhood experiences. Yeah, so there, it's out of 10, the score is out of 10. Your ACE score is out of 10. No, 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 the, the oh. top is 10, exactly. mine is seven. Yours is seven, got seven. it. Seven, so the, it's very high. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I didn't know why I was self-medicating until this summer. I, I, I always thought I always knew I was neglected and I didn't know I was raped until the Michael Jackson documentary. Mm. That's when I learned what grooming was. And I was like, Oh, I was groomed. I'm not incestual. (laughs) That happened. And then, and then Premka's book came out and I'm not that much in touch with a lot of people in 3HO, but I'm Googling stuff because I still like to listen to Yogi Bhajan's lectures or, or why good cars sought Aquarian sadhana, you know, or whatever. I was Googling something and up pops, um, what's, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Sky Life's video. So I watch it and I'm like, yeah, I could totally see what she's saying, but I know he was a master. I, I didn't believe it right away, you know, the video. And then I, and then it linked to Philip DeSlap's video. I don't know how to say his name, but anyway, and from Philip's video, I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is so academic and factual. That, yeah. And I'm like, that's, um, I believe that. <laughs> and so, so just for clarity, for listeners to understand, these are videos that you were able to see early on in the disclosure of, of our community getting um, exposed, right? That's yeah. what these videos were like, basically early exposure videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I got onto the the Premka site and I read all the stuff and um, you know I I was I didn't ha- I like address my cognitive dissonance right away that it was cognitive dissonance because I'd taken a social psychology class so I knew what it was and and what it looked like and you uh, yourself towards Yogi Bhajan. Yeah. Can you go back and explain, can you give us the listeners a little more context on that? Like explain what, what, explain your uh, stripper locker. (laughs) (laughs) I had a picture of of the Traticon picture in the back of my locker. Um, And so when I found out about everything in March, I had to, I went back in like June just to take the picture out and throw it away. (laughs) I still have my locker. I just, I'm pretty retired. I'm pretty much done. I mean, after COVID it's been, it's not the same. And also I'm starting with a new career because I don't feel guilty about cutting hair. So I was like, oh, well now I want to do hair. <laughs> oh, wow. I just wanted you to share that because I think it really represents the, um, the state you've been in for so long where you really revered him and and also just the context of leaving early and kind of not having it and kind of holding this special place for your earliest memories, how meditations really worked for you, how certain, how there were places in you where you knew you had an experience, but you linked it back to him specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was all in him. Yeah. And that that only changed this past spring when you read Premka and started really looking oh, at videos yeah. and reading. And that, was, and that was incredibly hard for me. Like I got triggered big time and I didn't even know half the time what was going on around me. Like I was, I remember like, I think I was, I was drinking a lot too, because it was so heavy reading those stories. Like I think at one time I was like reading it with one eye closed because I couldn't see straight, you know? Um, 
it was heavy. That was a, the, the hardest thing I ever been went through was realizing it and hearing all those painful stories and realizing my life was worse than I even <laughs> I, I even thought before because I thought my life was so bad, but there's this one good thing. I met a real master. I knew a real yogi. I had a relationship with him. I had dreams with him. He made me feel special, you know, in person. So I thought I had meditated more in, in past lives than other people, even though with the community, I still felt like an untouchable, but to the rest of the world, I thought I was more advanced because of it. You held this kind of like special thing inside thinking that you had special knowledge that the world didn't have mm -hmm. in the community where you had come from, you felt like you, nobody was accepting you. Like you felt like you were still an untouchable in among our community itself. But I always thought I don't need them because I had the direct connection with Yogi Bhajan. Mm. So I was okay with not being included in the cliques that were um, prevalent. Yeah, which is also unfortunately a real common theme or thread in, in a lot of stories is just all the layers and the cliques of um, belonging or acceptance. Mm -hmm. Wow, so your whole world gets shattered this past March and you're recognizing the cognitive dissonance of like seeing him one way and then realizing, oh, this one little nugget that I thought was pure is actually... The, the cause of all the... Of all, <laughs> is actually all the foundational <laughs> root of all of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm really happy that all this did come out yeah and yeah we need to be free from it yeah and, and talk it out loud and i, I just want to say how brave it is to give us a glimpse into the things you've been through because the things you've been through are not easy and i know you're still processing it trying to make sense of it trying to have ground underneath you and it's incredibly courageous mm -hmm. to allow yourself to be seen in the middle not when you figured it all out, but just in the middle. What do you mean seen in the middle? Like you're letting us be see, you're letting us see you in the, oh, the process. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's courageous. And I think it's also really important because there are a lot of children from our community that have struggled with substance abuse, whether it's opioids or cocaine or alcohol or whatever and and have had nowhere to talk about it and it's so important that it, we're talking about it because of the narrative that you've poignantly pointed out that when one leaves there's always this pull like oh the reason all my things are so bad is because i left the path yeah i believe that for sure Mm -hmm. That's so, so big because it can circle us back around to the nostalgia of longing to belong and thinking there's something wrong with us if something, the meditation isn't working or a sadhana isn't working or any of those things. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And like when my, when my mom left, um, um, Gurbachan Singh told my mom that we we're all going to get raped. What? And yeah, and, yeah, and um, 
I remember like when I first started dancing, Harmonder Joke came out and checked on me. He was, the, he was the only kid that did. And I remember telling him, yeah, when my mom left the Dharma, your dad said that we were all gonna get raped. And he was, he was upset about it. And I was like, what, why? It was true, it really happened. We all did get raped. <laughs> so I really thought that like our problems were because we left the Dharma. I believed it. Yeah. Yeah. So that shattered in March too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm loving that knowing that, you know, I never was a Sikh, so I don't feel guilty anymore. That's nice. <laughs> and I love yoga still. I have, I haven't been able to meditate. Um, because I don't really know how anymore. Um, I, I liked Kurt and Korea and I don't know how else to do it, right? I don't know. I haven't gotten back to it. Maybe I will one day, but I still like yoga, um, but I prefer it with hip hop, <laughs> you know, no chanting. I don't want any psychobabble. Just show me the physical side and how to breathe and uh, I'm good on the rest. <laughs> I'm a good person. You know, I know um, I may, I choose to be a good person. I Okay. Yeah. You be a good person. We heard that. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I know I can navigate my own way in life and um, not hurt people, not steal. Like those are things that I, I know I'm, I'm, I just avoid in myself. I don't need someone else to, to tell me how to act right. Like I have my own, my inner compass is pretty good. So well, it sounds I, like you're discovering her too. You're discovering your inner compass now because some of these inner myths have been shattered mm -hmm. to keep giving that power outside of you. Yeah. Hold on, you you went away. Hold on. Beautiful, beautiful sharing today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, is there more before we move into your song? Is there more that you'd like to share with listeners or anything else that you want uh, people to hear? Um, so Darshan Singh, my dad, Henry Melito, died this summer. And um, when we left the Dharma when I was five, he gave me the name Michelle and he would he would always sing the song from the Beatles. So that's my song that I wanna share. Awesome, well, we'll play that here in a second. Um, anything last you wanna share in terms of what you wanna share on your episode or that you want listeners to hear about your own story? No, I think it was, I think it was good. I know you had shared um, one aspect about before your dad died um, and so like, one of what you wanted him to share with you before he died and he couldn't something like this around Yogi Bhajan was there something around this yeah um he'd always told me he hid cameras in Yogi Bhajan's television when when we got kicked out and I thought that he hid the cameras I thought he didn't see anything on the cameras but that Yogi Bhajan found them and kicked us out um but when all this stuff came out, I confronted my dad and I was like, what did you see on those cameras? Like, what did you know? 
And um, I said, you could have liberated a lot of people, like mm -hmm. knowing if you knew stuff, you seen, you saw something. And I, I need to ask my sister, I should have called her before this to ask her because he confronted, he confessed to her seeing um, abuse going on him abusing oh, on the cameras him. that he had put on the cameras him. yeah that's why he came home with his head shaved and his beard shaved or his head haircut and his beard shaved was because of what he saw on these cameras he says that he said that um the cia told him to put the cameras in the television and i don't know if that's true or not but that was the same time that the cia did bust what's his name in virginia so simultaneous maybe, bus that happened happened in, yeah in, yes uh, from washington yeah. la new mexico virginia all at similar times yeah and so right before he died he apologized to me for blaming me to be that that i was raped he said you know i wasn't and he was sorry we made amends and um he admitted he saw bad things on the cameras and he never wanted to hurt anyone. He said the reason why he kept it a secret was because you just didn't say stuff back then. It wasn't, he just couldn't say it. He felt like he wasn't trying not to. Um, uh, I don't think he knew how to voice it or, or the way he'd been silenced by someone. I don't know. Well, and in context, this is 1987 you're talking about. If you were five, when they were mm -hmm. leaving, they're leaving around 1987. All this is around the time that uh, Kate Felt and Premka's lawsuits are, are are happening. You know, like there were a lot of people leaving and there was a lot of shutdown of people's, of anything. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Meaning there wasn't really voice. Mm -hmm. Wow, how interesting, how interesting. And then why do you think that your family didn't really get slandered or put down by Yogi Bhajan or anything like that? Um, because my dad knew. <laughs> he probably, Yogi Bhajan knew that my dad knew. Hmm. So I think that's the only, we had talked earlier about how you were like, how did you leave? Because the women that were sexually groomed and I was on the path to being groomed on the ranch, those women were not allowed to leave what you're saying right and he let me leave the only thing i can think of is he knew my dad knew so it was you know um that was that's what i think happened yeah. interesting well again i want to thank you for your courageous share today and for revisiting you. your life with us and um hope that you're taking care of yourself and I'm getting the support and taking up SSSC on their therapy for any of the kids that went to school in India. Um, I hope you know about that too. What was it? Well, the, the SSSC will, that's the head, you know, the head board of all the organizations. They are oh, yeah. counseling for the kids that went to school in India. So anyways, I know that I've, I've, I need to do that. Yeah. To, you know, take take the resources while they're available and hope they'll make them available for all the kids that didn't go to school in India too um, but just in general I think it's important and then you're getting the support you need as well thank you Gurnishan you're awesome I appreciate you absolutely thank you I'm going to transition into your song uh, for copyright purposes we won't be listening to very much but there is an uncomfortable conversations podcast playlist on Spotify. So if you want to hear the full version of these beautiful songs that our guests share, 
please tune into the playlist. Let's go ahead and share. I love you, I love you, I love you. That's all I well, your dog really loved it too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you again, Sarvajit, for being our guest on today's podcast. Again, this is concludes another episode of the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. If you'd like to contribute to this broadcast, you can make a one-time or monthly donation at gurunishan.com slash uncomfortable conversations. To be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to gn at gurunishan.com. And you can follow me on all platforms at gurunishan and subscribe and to support my work of creative truth-telling at gurunishan.com.